0: This is the Hope Church Mill Creek podcast and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border mostly in smaller our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcast or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening.
1: glory what's up y'all check it out look man i'm not a bible scholar i'm not a theologian i'm not even a seminary graduate i'm just a guy that god pulled out of a ditch and i can't shut up about it you know so check this out though i gotta tell you my walmart story now so in 2006 i was a homeless drug addict right and i was dirty and nasty and Man, I'm sure I was up to no good, and I was walking through a Walmart, right, and I wasn't there to shop. I'm sure I was up to no good. And, and I was going through, and all of a sudden, I feel a man put his hand on my shoulder, right, and that could have been bad, you know. But, uh, but I flipped around, and I'll never forget the guy looked at me, and he said, Brother, have you been set free? And I said, 27 times this year. <laughs> Glory to God. True story. <laughs> oh gracious look I love I'm a recovery guy right I mean I'm a recovery guy and I'm a recovery guy because check it out Jesus is a recovery guy you're all thinking about the Advent season this morning Luke 19:10. he said I've come to find and restore that which was lost basically he said I've come to recover that which was lost because recovery is not about sobriety. Recovery is about getting something back. Recovery is about getting back the purpose that we were born for. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. he said, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you will recover your life. So I'll start by saying that I come from a pretty good family. But actually, my father was an alcoholic who fought in Korea and Vietnam, and that presented problems of its own. When my father drank, he was physically abusive to my mother, and he was mentally abusive to us kids. I grew up with an older brother and two older sisters. They're nothing at all like me. They all went to college and into the business world. Me, I grew up as a heavy kid that was picked on and scared. And at 13 years old in 1976, I smoked marijuana and drank alcohol for the first time. At last, I was accepted by some cool kids. You see, we're born for community. We crave community, and we're going to find a community, whether it's a healthy community or an unhealthy community. That was the beginning of a 30-some-odd year life of hopelessness at 19 i joined the army and i learned that drinking and fighting were all i wanted to do when i wasn't at work and i was soon shot in the leg in a bar fight this took me out my feet for quite a while and as i recuperated i again put on weight well at five eight and over 300 pounds i didn't fit in with the other soldiers but I had bought a motorcycle for cheap transportation to work, and I started spending a lot of time in the biker bars. You know, before long, I found another community. Before long, I realized that the motorcycle clubs, they accepted almost anybody, especially violent drug and alcohol abusers like me. So again, again, I found a place where I fit in. I was big, I was angry, I was violent. In the biker world, the meanest, nastiest guy in the bunch ran the show, so I worked at being that guy. I physically abused my wife, and I would get into bloody fights with my father anytime we drank together. I was involved in all sorts of violent and criminal behavior. and It didn't take me long before I became the president of the club. Well, I was in trouble with the Army constantly, so I soon went AWOL, ended up with a dishonorable discharge and spent the next 15 years as the leader of two different motorcycle clubs. In 1993, I met my second wife. She had a six-month-old daughter. I fell in love with both of them. Slowly became more responsible, you know, eventually adopting my, my little girl. When she was around four years old, I decided I needed to leave the motorcycle club because I didn't want to die in some stupid bar fight. Cause her to grow up without a daddy. Unfortunately, I left the club, but I didn't leave the lifestyle. Alcohol, drugs, and violence, it's just who I was. So in 1998, my daughter was five, my wife was done, and she filed for divorce. At this point, I got worse. But the one thing that kept me from slipping off the deep end completely was a misplaced sense of responsibility to my daughter. I thought I was a good dad. I didn't know what that looked like. I did have her every other weekend and I took her to the bars with me at night and at six years old she was forced to experience violent behavior that would have been disturbing to most adults. I used her to meet and pick up women. I rode her around on the interstate on my motorcycle when I was drunk. I can remember thinking how cute she was carrying around an empty Jim Beam bottle and a cigarette, acting like Daddy. You know, I bragged about how I spent so much time with her, but in reality, I was completely unfit. I should have been put in jail. Now, at this time in my life, I was a functioning addict. I owned a successful business. I had a beach house, boats, trucks, motorcycles. I thought I was living a dream. And then Christmas of 2001, you know, sometimes life just hits a square in the headlights, you know. It was the first Christmas after my big sister suddenly died from pancreatic cancer. And I tried crack cocaine. I was almost instantly addicted. You know, I quickly went through all my savings. I was able to convince my parents that my business was... Failing, and I needed some financial help, and so they thought they were helping me by loaning me money and credit cards. But within another year, I caused them to go into a bankruptcy. I lost it all, including my daughter. Her mother had moved and taken her, and would let me or my family know where she was. You know, at this point, I came back to Fayetteville, North Carolina, where my parents lived, and I continued to lie, steal, and do whatever else I had to do to get high, and I started robbing drug dealers. Soon there were a lot of people that wanted me dead. Well, my parents, my parents were really worried about me. They finally convinced me to enter a treatment center, but, but, you know, I did it only to please them. I was soon having drugs delivered to me in the treatment center. It wasn't long before I was found out and I was kicked out. But again, I convinced my parents it wasn't the dope that had got me thrown out, that I had just broken some rules and Again, they helped me get a place to live, a vehicle, some tools. Well, I pawned the tools. I sold the furniture. And I remember talking my dad into buying me groceries that I'd take back to the grocery store for the cash to spend on crack. Then finally, at Christmas that year, I snuck into my parents' house and I stole the $100 bills that my mother intended as Christmas gifts for all the family members. You know, it wasn't discovered until Christmas morning when they all opened the empty envelopes. When my mother realized what I'd done, she wanted nothing more to do with me. She told me she'd buy me a one-way ticket anywhere in the country, but she didn't want me in North Carolina any longer. And I'll never forget the little card she gave me with her name and phone number on it. She asked me to please keep it in my pocket all the time so that she would at least be notified when my body was found. You know, at this point, I was on the streets of Miami, Florida, and I was robbing people and stealing, doing whatever else I had to do to get high there. It didn't take me long again to realize that I would soon be dead or in prison. So after about a month on the streets of Miami, I reached out to my parents again, and they made a deal with me. if I would commit, if I would really commit to a year and a half treatment program, they'd let me come back to North Carolina. So I entered treatment again for all the wrong reasons. However, it was impossible to get drugs into this place. So I decided to quit getting high, at least while I was there. Now, this place was a Christian treatment center, but I wouldn't mind into any of that Jesus talk. Man, I was way too smart for all that. About four months into my stay, my old girlfriend called me and told me her father had died. And she inherited some money. So she wanted me to leave treatment early, and I did. I left treatment more than a year early. Never having taken my recovery seriously, never working the steps. But feeling as though I was cured from my crack addiction. It would be okay to drink and use other drugs. So when I got out, we bought a motor home, decided to travel the country, We did this for about six months, partying the entire time. Not only by the grace of God, was it not back on crack yet. You know, as we were traveling, we stopped in Nashville, Tennessee, and decided to buy a bar. And, you know, I would never suggest anybody to leave treatment and buy a bar. We opened a biker bar. It was called the Filling Station. And again, I thought it was living the dream. Booze, dope, prostitutes, gambling, violence. Everything that I loved. And it would all lead me down one of the darkest paths I'd ever been on in my life. But you know, as I was surrounded by darkness, God brought me a ray of light. His name was Doc Ray. The one thing I never expected to find in the bar was a preacher. You know, Isaiah 59:1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is ear too dull to hear. Doc rode a motorcycle. He hung out of the biker bars ministering to us as we needed him. He was really careful to not force religion on us. He was just always there. In times of crisis, offering prayer, friendship, you know, Doc became a good friend of mine. Although I wouldn't buy any of his Jesus talk either. But it was really clear that he cared about me and the other bikers in the bar. Now with that six months of buying the place, I was back to smoking crack. It didn't take long for me to lose everything and become a homeless addict. My girlfriend left. I lost contact with Doc Ray and every other decent person in my life. For two and a half years, I was homeless. I ate out of dumpsters. I slept in the crawl spaces under people's houses, in abandoned cars under bridges. I was in and out of jail. In fact, in 2006, I was arrested over 30 times. I stole cars, I robbed people, I shoplifted and I could always lie to my father, talk him into sending me money behind my mother's back, which almost caused them to divorce. I remember my mom telling me that she hoped one of us died soon, her or me. Because she just couldn't take it anymore, you know? In March 1st of 2007, I'd been on a binge for days. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I I ran out of dope, but I still had some money in my pocket. So at 3 o'clock in the morning in a ragged, falling-apart borrowed truck with expired tags, knowing there were warrants for my arrest, and driving with no license, I headed into one of the worst dope spots in East Nashville, and of course I was pulled over and arrested. By the way, when I was arrested that night, they weighed me in at 108 pounds. And I was covered with open sores due to staph infection. You can still see the white scars all over me. But going to jail that morning was one of the best things ever happened to me in my life. I was arrested on a probation violation because of the nature of the charge. My dad couldn't bond me out. But you know what I did get out? I did get out my dad had come all the way to Nashville Tennessee to be there for me again I didn't have anything except the clothes I was wearing my dad helped me get a place to live vehicle clothes and I remember I just wanted him to leave I just wanted him to leave because I wanted to get high you know. but then he did leave And when he left, it hit me. I thought, I thought, what if next time I walk out of jail and he's done and there's nobody there for me? You know, I had what we call in recovery a moment of clarity, and I made a decision to quit getting high. I didn't know how to do it, but I decided I was going to figure it out. But I'll tell you, the first time my father couldn't bond me out, I hit bottom, Sometimes I wonder how much sooner I might have had that moment of clarity if I wasn't being enabled by him. You know, it was all done in love. He thought he was keeping me alive. Really, you know, he almost loved me to death. As I made the decision to quit getting high, I tried to think of anybody I knew in Nashville that didn't. And the only person I could think of was that biker preacher guy, Doc Ray. I looked up his number and I called him. He was so happy to hear from me. He invited me to church. I still thought church was just a weekly inconvenience where a bunch of holy people got together, you know. But I knew I had to get around some different kind of people. So I showed up that next Sunday, hair down on my waist, white t-shirt, blue jeans. And I walked in that place and I was counting on the judgment because I didn't want to be there, you know. I know nowhere else to go. But I'll tell you something. It never came. Those people in that little church on Franklin Pike in Nashville, Tennessee, they were so sweet to me. They encouraged me, they loved on me, they told me that I had a purpose. You know, I decided to come back the next week. And that next week, man, I really had no idea what was in store for me. And it's kind of hard to describe. You know, I didn't, I didn't come forward for an altar call. I didn't put my hand in the air. But I can tell you, on April 22, 2007, I had a real-life encounter with Jesus Christ. And my life was changed forever. You know, the psalmist says it like this. He says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the muck. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. You know, within three weeks of my salvation, I went to a church dinner, and I sat by a couple. I'd never met Jim and Deb. I'll never forget them. I began to tell them a little bit about my story. and wanted to meet some other Christians. And they told me about a ministry they went to at another church on Friday nights called Celebrate Recovery. They invited me the following Friday. But I remember telling them how Jesus had delivered me from my addiction. I didn't need a recovery ministry. I'm going to tell you something, recovery is much bigger than sobriety. Well, they convinced me that I'd be able to make some Christian friends there, and so I finally agreed to go. And I'll tell you what, I was scared to death to walk into that place that night. Me, the guy that robbed drug dealers at gunpoint. You see, I knew enough about recovery. I knew recovery required honesty, man. And I knew that if I was to go in there, man, I was going to have to tell people who I really was. I was going to have to drop the mask, you know. And I was afraid when people found out who I really was, they wouldn't want nothing to do with me. But once I got inside that place, man, I was amazed. Just a bunch of screwed up people that loved Jesus, you know. I remember how freeing it was to attend a share group and to listen to others like me. I realized I wasn't alone in my struggle, and I was able to be honest about myself without shame or embarrassment. I realized I didn't have to be perfect to be a Christian. You know, the love, acceptance, and freedom I felt there, they were beyond comparison. I can remember leaving there on Friday nights and just thinking all week about getting back there the next Friday. Within two months of attending, I began working the Christ Center 12 steps, and I found a sponsor. I committed fully to the program. You see, I realized that the drugs never were my problem. The drugs are how I was trying to deal with my problem. The 12 steps. I know most of you have heard of the 12 steps, right? If you haven't heard of it through the Christ Center program, you've heard of it in Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. I remember I asked a lady when I first got sober, I was saved. And I asked a lady in Christ in her recovery with me. I said, why do the 12 steps work for people who are not, who don't believe in Jesus? Who don't believe in God? And she said, because they're God's principles. And they work whether you believe in them or not. You see, recovery, man. Recovery is so much bigger than sobriety. The 12 steps, man. The 12 steps took me through a healing process. They taught me how to clean up the wreckage of my past so I could release the guilt and the shame that I was holding on to so I could be free to walk into the purpose that God had for my life. The 12 steps taught me how to live life on life's terms. How to handle this world as it is, not as I would have it. I did what my sponsor told me to do. I was accountable. I was honest And for the first time in my life, I began to take correction well. I worked the 12 steps and applied the principles of my life on a daily basis. Wow, what a change in my life. I began passing out Bibles in drug neighborhoods, helping feed the homeless, volunteering in my church, and any other kind of service work I could find to do. Then Christmas of 2007, I'd been sober for eight months my mother wanted to see me for the first time in four years. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to God for this time as a sober Christian with my parents. Shortly after moving back to North Carolina, I plugged into a church. I met with a senior pastor. He was excited about what I was doing, what I wanted to do. So I began seeking others to help me start a Celebrate Recovery ministry there. Let me tell you something. The Christ centered recovery movement is not, it's bigger than a program. It's bigger than a ministry. It's a movement around the country. It's revival around the country because recovery is teaching people how to live life on life's terms the way Jesus Christ intended us to. Recovery is showing us how to enjoy the freedom that's available in Him here on earth, not just when we go to heaven. Christ Center Recovery is a movement that has lit the church on fire. And God has called me to be a leader in this movement. I came to know my wife in recovery. And my daughter showed up at our wedding. I was able to hug her for the first time in over six years. I've made friendships I know will last a lifetime. I've had people find healing in recovery and now come to church with me. I've had so many broken and damaged relationships restored and repaired, I can't even count them. And for almost 17 years, man, I've had a front row seat to change lives. You know how many churches around this country have never seen a changed life? I've been to them. Recovery in Jesus Christ produces changed lives. I've learned that it's not about me. And the blessings that come from doing for others. In Jesus, in recovery, He helped me recover my family. I was able to comfort my father daily during the long hospital stay, which ended with his death. And I was able to pray with him to receive Christ before he died. I spent eight years, eight sober years, loving on my mother. She could count on me. And I was there for her until she took her very last breath. And I'll never forget the day she told me how proud she was of the man that I'd become. My daughter. Her mother died tragically while I was in my addiction. But now she has a father. God has restored our relationship. She's forgiven me. She even brags about me being her daddy. I have a beautiful Christian wife with a wonderful new family that love me. I have The most amazing friends in the world. I own a successful business. And yes, glory to God, I don't have a Harley Davidson. I have a collection of Harley Davidsons. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, God has used me in many ways over the last 16 years. In 2008, I started to Celebrate Recovery at Mount Carmel Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina and served as the ministry leader there for seven years. In 2010, I came on board the Celebrate Recovery Southeastern team as a North Carolina state representative,
0: and I served in that role for
1: seven years. In 2011, I finished school, and I was ordained as a pastor. You know, I've come to realize that my decision to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior has changed not only my life, the lives of my family, my friends, and so many others. God has turned my mess into his message, and I've been blessed to share my story all over the country. Look, since accepting Christ, your life is truly incredible, right? But it's not perfect. You know, in April of 2013, my wife and I separated. See, we just couldn't seem to get along
0: truth is we married soon
1: after meeting and it didn't take us long to realize we just weren't much alike. You know, although we had separated, we didn't want to give up on our marriage. I professional help by way of a Christian counselor. I'll tell you guys something. It took more than prayer. It took work, commitment, and then the miracle happened. We began to apply the principles of recovery to our marriage. Recovery showed me that I couldn't or blame Pamela. I can only work on my part, on my character defects. You know, God did a work of healing and restoration in our marriage as we both began to take responsibility rather than blaming one another. Today, we still got some issues, huh, sweetheart. But we're learning to accept the things in each other that we cannot change and to change the things in ourselves that we can. In 2016... After putting the biker lifestyle behind me for nine years, associating that lifestyle with all my bad behavior, God told me it was okay to ride a motorcycle for Christ's sake. In the following weeks, He used me to start Broken Chains. We're a fellowship of bikers and motorcycle enthusiasts who have found hope and healing in Jesus Christ through the Christ Center recovery process, helping others to realize that change is possible. In the last six years, we've grown to over 6,000 members. We're in all 50 states. We're in 10 countries around the world, and we're an army of hope dealers letting people know that healing is available, that change is possible, that hope is real. In 2017, I was asked to share my story at the Celebrate Recovery Summit in front of thousands of people, which was more than I ever imagined. But I had no idea that John Baker, the founder of Celebrate Recovery, would ask me to join the CR national team to help oversee and facilitate over thirty-eight thousand ministries around the country, you know, serving on the Celebrate Recovery national team for six years was one of the greatest honors in my life. But earlier this year, I stepped away from that role to do what God, what God has called me to do, and that's to be a motorcycle missionary. And that just means that I'm a Christian biker using my appearance, my lifestyle, and my motorcycle to break down barriers, keeping people from knowing the hope and freedom that are available in Jesus Christ. In the last six years, I've ridden my motorcycle over 150,000 miles. I've been to churches all over this country. But where God uses me the most and is out there. Because out there, people are dying. I connect with people like the pastor said at the gas stations, in the restaurants, in the motorcycle shops convenience stores hotels there's a bunch of people out there that feel comfortable talking to a guy that looks like me and they're all asking me the same question is there any hope you know a hundred thousand people have died from drug overdose in the last year every five minutes Today, in the greatest country in the world, 130 people will take their own life. Is there any hope? You you can live for 40 days with no food. You can live for four days with no water. You can even live for four minutes with no air, but you can't live for four seconds with no hope. And people out there are dying because they need what we have in fact, there's an arcan back there on my table, take it. Free, you need to have it. You might be able to save somebody's life. You know, I'm so grateful to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for my salvation. But I'm here to tell you guys that's the easy part. That's the free part, right? You can't you can't earn it, you can't be good enough, you can't buy it. It's a free gift. You just have to accept it. That's the easy part. But man, that don't that don't buy you a bit of freedom here on earth. Freedom here on earth, man, it'll cost you your very life, everything. I've learned it, man. To a life of surrender, sacrifice, service, and sharing, I have found recovery. I have found the purpose that God created for me to do. I'm grateful to my Lord and Savior for my salvation, and I'm grateful for Christ-centered recovery, which has shown me how to plug into the power that he came, that I could have for my life. 16 years later, you'll find me in a recovery meeting every week, every week, man, because see, it ain't about sobriety. It's about recovery. The truth is, since I made the decision over 16 years ago to quit getting high, I've been through the illness and death of my father, my mother, my big brother, my best friend in a tragic motorcycle accident. I've been through a marriage separation, a cancer diagnosis, radiation treatments. I've dealt with despair, anger, frustration, but I'm sober today and I'm not only sober, I continue to grow in my spiritual and emotional maturity because of the recovery process and I'm gonna be okay. I don't have to turn to drugs or alcohol or violence to deal with my problems anymore. I go to you guys, right? I've got a family all over the world in the body of Christ, man, and I get to meet Jesus in every hug, every smile, every encouraging word. And you see, today, one day at a time. Jesus said that first way before Bill W., right? One day at a time. I am living the dream. You see, 6,122 days ago, all I want to do is quit getting high. I could have never planned or dreamed what God has done in my life since. Let me tell you what God has helped me recover. Today I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a brother. Today I'm a business owner. I'm the president of two nonprofits. I'm an actor, I'm an author, I'm an evangelist. And I don't say that to brag on me, because where I got me was eating out of dumpsters. Where he got me was standing here in front of you today. So praise God! I appreciate you guys letting me share.
0: But before before you sit down, Jeff, um, I feel like there's there's probably many in the room that would, when they, they're hearing your testimony, perhaps for the first time, and the further you go down the rabbit hole, maybe they're starting to think like, wow, I'm not nearly as screwed up as I think I am. You know, they're almost encouraged like, man, the, uh, this, he's done so many things. Like, Sounds
1: like the Pharisee, right? Right,
0: right. <laughs> so my question, my question is to somebody who's thinking that, well, oh, man, I'm feeling pretty good about myself now. Like God's using him, he could use me, which is a good thought. But it comes from a, a, a an angle of error, and that's like, hey, I've I've kept all these rules, I haven't done all these things. What would you say to that person that feels like, well, I'm I didn't do all that, so I I'm okay. What would Why you, you told say me about? I couldn't preach today. No, let me
1: tell you. <laughs> let me go down Am I that. Start Am Am I, I start it up. I it up. I love it, man, because you know the truth is, when people are walking in church, you say, "How you doing?" They say, "Blessed and highly favored." And I'm thinking, "I know you. You are not blessed and highly favored." <laughs> Yo, right? Joker. I mean, the truth is, so many of us as Christians, we're sitting here with a mask on, right? Because we feel like we got to come in here and and act like we're perfect. Like I said, man, I've realized I didn't have to be perfect to be a Christian. Because the truth is, man, in recovery, we say we're as sick as our secrets. So you don't have to go down the same path I've been down, man, because you got things in your life, man. And if you're here and you think you're the only one that's got things in your life, look to your left and look to your right because they got things in their lives, too. Every one of us, right? Every one of us have issues in our lives. That's why recovery is not just for somebody. Recovery is for everybody because we all need to be able to deal with those things. See, it's okay to not be okay. Because none of us are okay, man. We all got issues, right? Life is tough. It don't matter if you're black or white, man, if you're rich or poor, if you got a job or you're unemployed, if you're a felon or somebody that's never been to jail, man, life is tough. Look at the look at the movie stars that are killing themselves, right? It don't matter about the money you got or the stature you have. Life is tough for everybody. We need each other. Because that's where we find hope. That's where we find Jesus in each other. We have to feel safe. Church has to be a safe place where we can be who we are and not worry that people aren't going to like us when they find out who we really are. So we need to accept people where they are in church, man, but we got to refuse to leave them there, right? Hallelujah. I don't Jeff,
0: know. you mentioned purpose at the very beginning of your testimony. You recovered purpose, meaning what to, to everyone in this room, what would you say universally is our primary purpose? Like, why were we all sent here? Like, there's a number of us have asked the question. How many of you have asked the question in the last six months, God, what am I even doing here? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Because depending upon the road you've went down, you may even be thinking, like, God, this feels like a big cruel joke with this hand that was given to me so much pain there's so much heartache so many health problems so many bad decisions it seems like I was bent to make but what's the purpose you were sent here for the same purpose as Adam and Eve was sent here for and that is to fellowship with the Lord of heaven there is but one thing that separates you all the rule keepers in the room that you've not been down the road that Jeff has separated him from God it separates you from God one thing and that is a little word called sin we choose it God gives us a free will to choose him or not scripture we won't get into today that we were going to share is Romans 5 it talks about how Do you know that there are people right now that live as enemies of the cross? Enemies of God. You say, well, God loves everybody. He sure does. But we choose to either be on His side or on the enemy's side. And we know who that is. So it's your choice today. Whether you say, well, I've never done drugs, I've never drank alcohol, I've never done this, I've never done that. You are still as separated from God as any other person. No matter where you've been, it's our choice. Will you make the same choice that Jeff had to make? Will you make the same choice that I've made and that anybody who knows Jesus in here has had to come to his feet and just open your hands and say, I don't even know what to do. I don't understand it. I just know I need help. And would you accept him? Accept that Jesus is who he said he was, that the Father sent him, Spirit empowered him and he died for me and you. Would you accept that today? Hey, thank you so much for listening. It it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If you if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at HopeChurchMillCreek.com or just come by for a service in person, 10.30 a.m. Sunday mornings, address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxboro, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person and um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you would kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, for Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.